I don't know what makes your job easy. Like, what would make a perfect day for you and your job? But for a preacher, a story like the one we just read about Naaman, that's the one you want to preach on. Because there is so much in that story. I could preach out of that story for weeks and weeks and weeks. So much in it that's fascinating. So many points that we could look at that would be inspiring, that would be helpful for us, that God would indeed, I think, bless upon our hearing. You think about Naaman himself, a man of great power, and how even though he had presumably anything and everything he wanted, he suffered. Sometimes we think suffering is just for those people who can't afford to do anything about it, but suffering doesn't care who you are, right? Or or what about the faith of the slave girl? You know, she wasn't bitter, apparently, about her situation. She wasn't mad about being taken as a slave. In fact, she had some kind of care for this family that she worked for, so much so that her faith in what the man of God could do sparked her to step up and to say something. You could talk about her faith and how important faith is for us as well. You could talk about power. Because you can look at the slave girl, you can look at the servants of Naaman, And how by their words, these seemingly lowly people, slaves, by their words, kings took action. By their words, Naaman did something. And how God is always willing to use those people that you didn't think had a chance to do anything for God. Because God's like that, if you didn't know. Or you could also look at the other points of the story. We, We read half the story. Go home and read the other halves and you can see how, how, how Naaman is, con, is converted and how God uses that and how God continues to build upon that and what the other, the other things that the prophet does. There's so much in that story that make you glad to be a preacher. Just saying. But today, I want us to focus on something that screamed out at me that I felt God was wanting to remind all of us. And it's the simple things. You see, we live in a high-tech world, don't we? I bet most of you have in your pocket a device that could... Or maybe on your office desk, a device that enables you to do just as much as NASA was able to do 40 or 50 years ago with a machine that took up room. We live in a world that doesn't seem very simple, where things are complex, where our little children have to teach us how to do things on the computer because we can't figure it out because it's so difficult. None of you guys, I'm sure, right? You've got it all figured out. But we seemingly live in a very complex world, and we tend to think that the more complex something is, the more sophisticated it must be. Maybe even more important or better it must be. There has to be something said for simple. Look at the book of Proverbs. Uh, the word simple comes up quite a bit. But every time it does, it doesn't come up in a very good way. See, Proverbs is about building wisdom and becoming wise and fearing God and, and being a wise person. So to be simple, to stay simple, is not what Proverbs want you to do. In that sense, but what we're talking about is something that even the wisest person, like someone in Proverbs, would want us to realize. Probably figure it out himself or herself. 
is that the best thing in life is to keep it simple. You ever found that to be true? Usually after the fact, right? After you've struggled, after you've gone, you've spent days and days thinking, and you planned, or you put together, when it doesn't work, you think, man, it's so simple. I just made too much of it. There's something that should be said for keeping it simple. And so here we have the story of this great army commander, who I think we can say has the good life. The kind of life that many people work hours and hours for. The the kind of life that many people dream to have. He's a a, a commander of a great army. He reports to nobody except the king. Comes and goes as he pleases, does what he wants, says what he wants, has everything he wants. But he still has to go home. And when he does, even after the greatest victory... He realizes that he suffers. He suffers from leprosy. It's always good for us to realize that leprosy, in our mind, the way we understand it, is not the same as biblical leprosy. For Naaman and others like him, leprosy could be uh, a very, very, very bad thing. Separate you from everyone else, alienate you from family, from career, from all the world. And so here Naaman is, this great, powerful man, and he suffers. He goes home every night. He tells his wife, it hasn't gotten better. You can imagine that they've tried everything that they can to take care of it. She's found some home remedies. They've gone to see Dr. Who. They've talked to anybody. They've seen enough infomercials. They've ordered so many products. They don't have anything else to do with it. But one day, a girl girl that had become their slave after one of Naaman's big raids. She says, you know, if, if, if my Lord knew the prophet, surely he would cure him. I don't know if you realize how simple those words are. And how her simple words sparked an international debate, an international conversation. See, as the story goes, it's not like she has to beg with them and plead her case and prove to them that the man of God could do something. No, she just says, if you could go see him, you'd be healed. And the very next word and the very next sentence is, so, Naaman went to make it happen. Because of her simple words, two kings started talking. Two nations were building relationship because of her words. In the end, Naaman was healed. I mean, why not try what what she talked about? We've tried everything else, and even though it seems so simple, she gave those words. I don't know, maybe she practiced them in the mirror. Maybe she was worried about what she was going to say. Maybe she prayed about it. Or maybe she remembered seeing the man of God do great things when she was back home or hearing of great miracles that God was able to do. And she said, I've got to tell him. But for whatever reason, she gave those simple words. And it changed everything. Now, we talk about how we know the power 
of our simple words. But I don't know that we really do. We don't realize what one word that comes out of our mouth, how it can impact somebody else. For good or for bad, friends. There's power in that. You know, it's been said that when someone visits a church, that within 30 seconds of their visit, they've already decided whether they will come back or not. Now, what does that tell you? It might tell you a lot of things, but at the very least, we can say that someone has decided that they will come back to church in 30 seconds. Some people say seven minutes. Those are those long-range planners. But that in that short amount of time, they've made up their decision based upon something very simple that they've seen or that they've heard or that they've already experienced. Think about it. Maybe you've gone to a church for the very first time and someone's looked at you. It doesn't take long to get a look, does it? Happens like that. But you tell me, if someone looks at you like this, or if someone looks at you like this, or if someone doesn't even look at you, Something so simple as a look on our face can make all the difference. Or you go to that same church for the very first time and you hear something, simple word, hi, how you doing? Compare that to, hey, get out of my pew. Simple words have an impact. Right? What about the checkout stand? See, I was somewhere. I was probably mad that I had to be shopping in the first place. And I was behind some lady who had a ton of stuff. I was ready to go, ready to check out with my two or three little items. And it came upon me. You ever done this? I started looking in her basket. And I'm thinking, do you really need all that stuff, lady? Really? You came here to get that? Oh, you need that stuff? Oh, my goodness. And all I am here is with this. I'm ready to go. If I could just pay, be on my way. But you, with all your stuff, who really needs all that stuff? You hoarder. I mean, she turned around to me. I don't know, maybe I gave one of those simple faces. I don't know. But she said very simple words. You want to go in front of me? Yeah. Simple words matter. Whenever we do a wedding, there's always going to be a couple that says those, those words. Pastor, we want to write our own vow. rhyming words and everything. At some point I have to say, well, you know, maybe there's a reception you can use because you're paying me the big bucks. <laughs> At least however much you pay for the cake. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> to 
help you have words that you can remember forever. Words that others have repeated, have committed to themselves. And if you ever notice, you ever gone to a wedding, the bride and groom, they don't do a whole lot. They may have to stand or sit down. They may have to walk over here. They may have to light a candle. But really, the most important part that we all look for before the kiss are those two simple words. I do. And it's those simple words that mean everything. Y'all with me? Your simple words, your simple actions matter. They mean something to somebody. But the story continues. Naaman gets permission to go see this foreign king. And he gets everything ready. He's got the letter in hand to let the king know that everything's okay. And he's brought goodies with him, too. Some have said maybe eighty, ninety thousand dollars worth of goods with him to offer to the man of God and to the king. And you can imagine he's Naaman, commander of the army. I've had victories. I've won battles. I am the man. And I'm going to go see Elijah and he's going to come out and he's going to heal me and he's going to do some crazy stuff, but it's going to be good. And he gets to Elijah's house. Did you see that part with chariots? He pulls up at the door of Elisha. Maybe he even calls for him. And Elijah sends a messenger out. He says, hey, uh, the river over there, go dunk yourself in it seven times and you'll be all right. I'll display for that. I got rivers at home. The water's clear over there. Maybe he doesn't realize who I am. You know, Pastor, with eighty, ninety thousand dollars, I could probably build you a new restroom. Watch. That's gonna be the one thing you remember about this Sunday. Watch. Becomes angry. One, because Elijah doesn't even come out. But even beyond that, he's angry because what Elijah asked him to do was so simple. Go dunk yourself seven times in the river. He didn't say bring anything. He didn't say how to do it. He didn't say how long to stay there. He just said, seven times and be on your merrily way. And that infuriated. Why? I think in part because, well, we tend to think bigger is better. Right? We tend to look for the elaborate. That if we can tell something, someone has put in a lot of work and a lot of effort and the production is great, that means that it's better. It means that it's more rewarding. Maybe it means a little more to me as well. Sometimes, God does very big things. But more often than not, the things that God tells us are very simple. Pray. Pray for me. I want you to do something. 
You get it when you go home. We, we, we want the spectacular to happen. something we can see, something we can remember. We want to be able to know for sure that something good happened. But so much of what God tells us to do Read. Love. Yeah, but it's got to be something else I can do, God, you know. That's, nah. Love each other like you love yourself. We are. God's done the great and glorious thing that we sing about, that we talk about, that catches everyone's attention. More than that. The things that God tells you and I are very simple. And I think we have to understand that we've got to be okay with that. Because it's through the simple actions that God works miracles. It's through simple acts like praying where our hearts are changed. It's through doing simple things like serving where we change our minds. And even, and even with a simple task, a simple thing to do, like, do this in remembrance of me, makes all the difference for who we are. So, we should pray. Because quite often, I think, because we're so accustomed to Everything being so loud and high-tech and in your face and so elaborate, we miss out on so much that God wants to show us because we're not willing to see and to do simple things. So let's pray. Oh God, we are grateful to you for these moments that you give to us to think and to pray about what it means to be a child of God. God, you have chosen us and you have loved us. What joy that brings to each one of us here this morning. And what we ask, God, is that you would teach us to hear the simple things you want us to do so that we can live the faithful life you have before us and that you would always teach us that the simple things we do And the simple things we say matter. Matter to you. Matter to those around us. God, by the power of your Spirit, make us new. And renew in our hearts a sense of following you. Even if it means doing the very simplest of things. In Jesus' name. Amen.